Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Thank you. Uh, If you're watching by Zoom this morning, we love you and welcome you to the Torah study. Uh, We're in Torah portion number 44 this morning. And uh, we begin our study uh, in the book of Deuteronomy uh, this week. And to a large extent, uh, Deuteronomy is a presentation by Moses of all the events and a recap of all the laws that God gave in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Uh, And in uh, ancient Jewish wisdom, even modern uh, uh, Judaism, uh, it's called the Mishnah Torah. Uh, Deuteronomy, uh, uh, Deuteros uh, Nomos, uh, meaning the second law. And so, uh, or a repetition of the law. And so most experts agree that Deuteronomy uh, is Moses speaking to the people under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. But nonetheless, this is Moses' book to Israel uh, as much or more as it's God's book. Uh, Obviously, it's God's book. Uh, But this was all uh, spoken in the last few weeks of Moses' life, because this is at the end of the 40 years. Uh, They're about ready to cross into... Uh, over the Jordan into the promised land. Uh, and the reason that uh, the experts uh, talk about this as being Moses' repetition of the law uh, is because the whole book begins with, These are the words of Moses. These are the words of Moses. So, uh, it's interesting because many Jewish leaders, you know, we study things with a Judeo-Christian background here. Uh, uh, they've concluded that this is where Moses is bridging the gap between it is written and what God spoke to Moses for 40 years that didn't get written. Okay, Uh, we don't realize it because we just, in Christianity, we never thought about it. But what did Israel do for 40 years? They weren't just twiddling their thumbs, folks, right? They weren't just wandering. God was speaking every day, every morning, noon, and night. There were revelations and explanations, and especially what God was saying to Moses for 40 years, explain to Israel this, explain to them that. It was God's commentary on all of the written Torah. And so many rabbis thus conclude this bridges the gap uh, between the written and the oral Torah. And so when uh, uh, you think about the commentary, the oral Torah, um, 
you have to make a, a, an important distinction between the, what's written and what's been spoken. Uh, and here's how in uh, the rabbis explain it. Whenever there's uh, no doubt about what God said in his word, you need to be very strict. You can start, for instance, with the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Let's be very strict in that interpretation, right? And we can go on and on uh, about all the various commandments, the boundaries that God sets out. But uh, not everything is black and white, so to speak. Not everything is chiseled in stone. A lot of times things come up in our lives where it could be understood this way, that way, or another way. In, in uh, Jewish thought, there are 70 facets of Torah, meaning that one person might understand things one way, one, one, another might understand, and uh, you're right, and you're right too. How can they both be right? You're right too. Is kind of the concept. You had to watch Fiddler on the Roof to kind of get that one. But uh, 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 there's obvious things that are non-negotiable. But when there can be more than one interpretation, that's where there's a call for leniency, for flexibility. Because there's many ways that things can be understood. The wisdom of God just can't be fit into one little nice, neat little box. And so uh, this is especially true when you're getting into the traditions of man. Not every tradition of man is a bad thing. But when the traditions of man, the doctrines of man, for instance, I'll give you one example of the doctrines of men. In certain churches, some of you ladies that are here today are going to burn in hell for all of eternity because you're wearing slacks. There's nowhere in the Bible you're, that, that it says that's the, God's law. That's man's law. And when man's law supersedes God's law, Houston, we got a problem. And so this is why we need discernment. This is why we need to study to show ourselves approved. There's an old uh, Jewish adage that says, strictly follow the law, but don't follow the law strictly. Yeah? Yeah? And so this, what we've just talked about, kind of explains that. If it's written in stone, yeah, you're not going to change that. But when there's some flexibility there, uh, come let us reason together and let us find the best solution. That's good advice for marriages. A lot of marriages get into a lot of stress and uh, a lot of frustration because we can't tell the difference between what's black and white and we're not yielding to that, and that, but we can't reason together and come to a Holy Ghost decision. So may that not be true for you. Amen. You know, it's interesting... And Moses rehearses a lot of the laws of the Torah 
in the book of Deuteronomy, but God revealed himself to Israel and established a covenant that is in existence to this day, 3,500 years later with the Jewish people. Uh, This all happened at Mount Sinai, and he revealed himself through a series of laws. Think about that. God revealed himself as a law and order God. All right? And so this tells us that, yes, our relationship with the Lord, and we'll get to this, is based on love, but it also is based on doing things decently and in order. Does anybody have a problem with decent and order? (laughs) Some people in our society today do have a problem. They want to redefine what's decent, what's moral, uh, what our ethics as a society should be. And you look around and you say, you would want to teach that to a three-year-old? Man, you've gone stone cold crazy. And we're not having any of that at New Beginnings. And many churches are starting to speak out against a society that's rebelling against God's laws and God's order to impose something totally different. And all it is is the world is preparing itself for the coming of the Antichrist. But God is expecting us to occupy until He comes. And that means pushing back a little bit, huh? We need to push back a little bit and say we're part of the family of God and we're here to prepare the world for the coming of the Lord. And so if there's some friction there, and there is, why do we feel that angst? Why do we feel uh, in our society this frustration, you know, this righteous indignation is because we're coming into contact with unrighteousness. Yeah? And that unrighteousness is rubbing us the wrong way. You know, and look, if you want to, you're a grown man, a grown woman, you want to do some things in the privacy, I don't approve of that, but don't try to teach my two-year-old grandson something like that. Because I take issue. He's not confused on whether he's a boy or a girl. God made two genders. Male and female, He created them. Now, I didn't write that. God wrote that. So your argument is with God. No one here is arguing, of course. So God reveals Himself as a God of laws. And Moses wants to go through these again because the laws of God are divine principles. Hidden within all what we as Christians point our fingers and throw stones and cause wars and persecution against Jewish people and uh, uh, the Jewish faith uh, because it's legalism. And yet we got our own share of problems with legalism in the church, right? I mean, uh, you know, don't uh, people that live in glass houses ought not to throw stones, right? So, thank God we have a law and order God, and He does things decently and in order. And breaking news, He expects us to get in line and follow that stuff. It's not the ten suggestions. The ten, well, if I feel like it, guidelines. 
He expects us to get in line and follow His commandments. That's how the covenant works, folks. If we're struggling to see the manifestation of the covenant, the promises of God, how come they're not working? You can probably trace it back uh, if you're honest and you'll allow the Holy Spirit to show you, I've missed God somewhere. If I'm lying, I'm dying. (laughs) Right? But we also need to realize, and this is so important, look, the Jewish people are a precious people. I've been fortunate enough to travel with Pastor Larry uh, to Israel. Now, I've been there like 12, 15 times. I don't know how many times. I, I lost count. Pastor's up near 40, I think. You know, and you spend a lot of time with observant Jews. Some are very observant, some are not as observant, but they all have a a quality of compassion and empathy that I'm unfamiliar with in the church. And it it kind of stir you know, and I'm still working on that empathy part because I grew up in a family there was no empathy. I don't know about you, but my upbringing was very dysfunctional, and no one felt sorry for number one son. (laughs) So I realize, and we as uh, Judeo-Christians in a church that teaches the Jewish roots, we need to realize that Jewish law isn't legalism. It's Bible law. And it's for law and order so a society can run in a unique and specific way. It's not so you can earn your way to heaven. We, well, legalism, earning our way to heaven. That's not what they think at all. They have a society, the nation of Israel, that they want run in a certain way according to God's way of doing things. His laws, His commandments, His boundaries, His guidelines. And any nation that will do that, it'll work for them. America found that out. One nation under Jehovah. Now who would want to change that? Atheists. And they're, they're trying to do that. And all of a sudden, you see uh, in our society when like Roe versus Wade gets changed. Okay, Roe versus Wade had its problems, and the Supreme Court said we're going to send it back to the states so each individual state can decide whether yes, the people want it, or no, the people don't. And newsflash. Most states, most people don't want the kind of unfettered, unrestricted abortion. People might give some, uh, if, if there's rape or incest or this or that, there might be some exceptions, but uh, it's not rare like they said it would be. It's just widespread. It's like, if you need birth control, try abstinence. <laughs> Try saying no. Well, I can't help myself. Well, uh, I was born this way. You need to be born again. So, God just didn't hand out 613 legalistic codes of legal, nasty, ugly, follow this, do that, do's and don'ts. We were on vacation 
last week, and we drove down to a uh, place on the Colorado River uh, down outside of Austin, and uh, there was a, a, a church uh, on the main drag getting to where we were staying, and uh, the, the sign, big giant sign said, no rules, just Jesus. And I thought to myself, honey, that, that's not, that sign ain't right. That's false advertising. No rules. Since when on earth did the church get the idea there's no rules? There's always rules. And it's not that it, uh, Jesus said, my rules are easy and the burden that they bring are light. But rules nonetheless. If you don't govern yourself with some kind of boundaries, if you don't govern yourself with some kind of standards and a code of ethics, then who are you? Whatever way the wind blows, whatever new fancy doctrine, whatever some scientist comes up with, oh, oh, that sounds right, oh, well, we'll follow that. Boys can be girls and girls can be boys. Tuesday they can be Stephen and Thursday they can be Sheila. What? I don't need a Bible to know that ain't right. My biology book tells me that's right. That's wrong. Correction, please. So, this is how the world works. God's laws are principles. And if you want your world to work, follow more of the principles. It's the same in business. Some businesses succeed and others don't because you have to learn what are the business principles that are going to lead me to success and then lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. And then you learn more. Oh, there's more? Yeah, there's more. If all you got is John 3.16, hallelujah. But really, in this world, you're going to need more than John 3.16 to have the abundant life. John 3.16 gets you to the eternal life. And if that's all you got, that's good enough to get you into heaven. But wouldn't it be nice to have a little heaven here on earth? And see that increasing monthly, yearly. Every couple years, man, you look back and you realize that's what the Bible calendar is all about. You get and review some things. Have I come a little bit further? Yeah. Hallelujah. Who's come a little bit further since last year? I see that hand. That, 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 that hand. Good job. All right. So God gives us rules not because He's a dictator, but because He's a teacher. A father. We're helping uh, raise our grandson. He lives. Right, he came down this morning, little grandson, so precious. But he doesn't understand that no is a complete sentence. <laughs> it's just things in him that just come out. And no! And so we're not trying to be a dictator, a tyrant, in trying to instruct him. We're just trying to make sure that as grandparents, we have a vested interest in this little guy. 
He might be our retirement plan. <laughs> Come on, little guy. <laughs> and he's just not looking for blind obedience, the Lord. He's looking for us to understand these things. This is how my world works, daughter. This is how my world works, son. And the more you understand it, you, the more happy you will be. Because you'll stop trying to do it your own way. And you'll realize, no, God says do it this way. Yeah, but I don't feel like that. Don't ask your feelings. Did you know, we've talked about this, but uh, maybe you weren't here when we did, that there, in biblical Hebrew, there's no word that means to obey. Isn't that amazing? There's no word that means to retire. There's no word for coincidence. And there's no word to obey. The closest thing in the Old Testament, the Torah, uh, to uh, obey is Shema. Look it up in your Strong's Concordance. Who knows what Shema means? Listen. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Hear. Listen up. And in, in Deuteronomy, it's written in there 92 times. And so it's suggesting that our relationship isn't just based on, with the Lord isn't just based on, do what you're told. <laughs> I've said that a few times to my grandson. <laughs> Walk it back a little bit, Grandpa. <laughs> Saba, come on, cool down. He's just two. I guess I'm putting it all on him because I interact with people that are 50 years older than him that are still acting like two-year-olds. <laughs> so I'm projecting on him what no one in here resembles that remark. God created us in His image with a free will. We've got the power to think. We're supposed to be using our intellect, our mind, to think things through. And we're supposed to be trying to understand how all of this jointly fits together. That's what church is supposed to be all about, right? You don't want to go to church for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. 40 years later, what do you know? Nothing. That's not where you want to be in life, right? And, and so, yeah, that, that's why I'm not really a fan of a lot of the preaching on grace. I understand the grace of God. I was a chief sinner. I was leading the charge up the sinner's hill. Day in, day out, week in, week out. I was a functional alcoholic on drugs, going to work every day, spending all my money to lather, rinse, and repeat all that sinful behavior. Come on! Remember Denzel in glory? Come on! That was me. Come on! Let's do it! And it wasn't very good. It didn't have a happy ending until I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Then I had a happy ending and a new beginning. 
But from that, I was always impressed. The day we got saved, I was always impressed. I need to learn this thing. I'm not coming to church to, to, uh, because I need a crutch. I'm coming to church because I heard somebody say there was power, dominion, authority, success, and victory in your life. You can't get any other way but to do it God's way. And it just so happened when all that went down, I caught it. I caught that revelation. I was in the right place at the right time. Amen. I believe that's why God's called you to new beginnings. To learn more about success in life, victory in life, using divine principles and divine guidelines with an understanding of Judeo-Christian ethics. Judeo-Christian values. Look, all Scripture is given by God, inspired by God. It wasn't like he wrote the Old Testament and then realized, oh man, that was not my best work. Better erase all of that. No, I mean, that's the wisdom of God. Let's dig into that and find out. So, look, for 1,900 years, man's religious traditions and the doctrines of men have been trying to distance themselves from the Jews, from the Torah. We've been severed from our past. It's like Ancestry.com only goes back a couple hundred years. But our Ancestry.com goes all the way back to Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. (laughs) 4,000 years ago. That's some history. And the book has that history. And look, if your salvation history's only gone, started in Matthew, Mark, Luke, that's fine. But my salvation history starts in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and we appreciate it all. And uh, it reminds me of the story of the young boy that was traveling from Jerusalem up to Capernaum in the Galilee. And uh, on his way, he arrives at a crossroads, a four-way crossroads. And to his dismay, the signpost that directed him was on the ground. And he didn't know how to line up the signpost. How do I know which way to go? And finally it dawned on him, he knew where he came from. So he found on the signpost where it said Jerusalem. And he pointed the signpost back to Jerusalem and everything else lined up perfectly and he went on his way and did his business. So it is with the church. When we begin to understand from Jerusalem all the way till now everything God has provided in the covenant and a a, a deeper understanding of all that, your life's going to line up. A lot less confusion, a lot less frustration. And the church was always meant to uh, adapt to that, to respect that, to honor that. Uh, And at New Beginnings, we are. Uh, One of the great leaders uh, in uh, our lifetime 
in uh, the modern era, I could say, Winston Churchill, he once said, the farther back you can look, the far, farther forward you're likely to see. Amen? And so we're looking all the way back to creation, 6,000 years between creation and now. And so uh, our church is different than many. Many churches are coming on board. But the new covenant here doesn't represent a termination of the old covenant. The new covenant doesn't represent a termination, but rather a continuation. It's God building line upon line, precept upon precept. Amen? And when we understand how the foundation was built, that's the Torah, the wisdom of God from the New Testament, I mean the Old Testament, uh, our life is better. Jesus actually explains this. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew 13. In Matthew 13, 52, he's talking to his disciples and explaining some things. And he says, Every scribe which is instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like a man that is a householder, which brings forth out of his treasure things old and new. If you go into the Living Bible, it says it uh, in more plain English. Jesus said, those experts in Jewish law who are now my disciples have double treasure from the Old Testament as well as the New. Amen. Amen. So, uh, you know, I looked this up, you know, the, the household, what's a householder, Lord? And you go look at it simply means master of the house. And so what Jesus is equating the scribes, the Torah teachers of his time, and especially now his disciples, he's describing them as master teachers. Right? They're master craftsmen that have an understanding of the whole covenant. And they're uniquely qualified to teach people things that will help them live their best life. Praise God. Amen. So we're getting to the point where we're not trying to define everything in the Torah uh, in the same way most Western theologians have defined it through the last uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. The authors of the New Testament, all Orthodox men. Yeah. Even Luke was in on the deal as a Gentile. Uh, They never abandoned their Jewish faith. Thank God Jesus came. Break out the ham sandwiches, boys. (laughs) Pass me a BLT. They knew what Jesus taught. And Jesus said, I want you to accomplish everything I've called you to do in the Great Commission within the existing framework of the Jewish faith as we see it right now. Not necessarily what they saw in the temple, but more what they saw in the synagogue. Amen? 
Yeah, some things got updated. Some things got reformed. Everything now, instead of the temple, is now based on the sacrifice of Jesus as the Lamb of God. But at the same time, we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. And Paul explains this in Ephesians 2. You can turn over to Ephesians 2.11. And Paul's telling the church at Ephesus, please don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you were outsiders to God's ways and had no idea how any of this worked. You didn't know the first thing about the way God works. You didn't have the faintest idea about Christ. You knew nothing of the rich history of God's covenants and the promises that He made to Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. This is Bible, folks. The Message Bible, it says a little bit different, probably in your New King James. He says, now because of Christ, dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are now in on everything. Feels good to be in on everything, doesn't it? Do you feel like you're in on everything? The only reason we don't feel like we're in on everything is because we don't understand all the covenants and all the promises. Right? We're probably living off of some stuff we learned in Sunday school. No one here. That other guy. That other guy that's living off of Sunday school stuff. And some of that you should live off of, right? But let's move on past the elementary things. And dig a little bit deeper. Because the deeper you dig, the more you're going to be able to withstand the winds and the storms and the rains that might be coming any day now. Did you know that the word Torah actually means teaching? Yeah. It also means pathway. Isn't that amazing? Torah, the word Torah, was never meant to stir up a negative connotation in the Christian church. But you hear the word Torah. One of the books we recommend... Uh, you can't go to the bookstore today. <laughs> Did you look over there? Where'd all that stuff go? The rapture happened starting with books. <laughs> no, we're putting in a new floor in the lobby this week, starting tomorrow. So they had to take most everything out, including Paula had to dismantle the bookstore. And uh, so uh, I believe next Sunday when you're here, you're going to see a whole new floor. A whole new floor! But Our Father Abraham, great book. Dr. Marvin Wilson explains the word Torah, commonly translated law, derives from the verb yara, to cast or throw or shoot. And so it goes on to explain, it's a, uh, yara is an archery term. And so the Torah is meant to help you hit the mark, hit the bullseye. Anybody here want to hit more bullseyes? 
Yeah. Then follow the teachings. Follow the pathway. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So, just uh, to help people that get nervous over uh, teaching about Old Testament things, let me share with you a couple things uh, in the New Testament. In the book of Revelation. Things that are relevant for the last of the last days. Look at Revelation twelve seventeen, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, Israel. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, which is you and I, who keep the commandments of God. And the testimony of Jesus Christ. Two things going on there. I'm keeping the testimony of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm a blood-bought, blood-washed, Bible-carrying, uh, pew-jumping, devil-stomping Christian. And I keep the commandments. Somebody, well, it's too hard to keep the commandments. No, it's not. That's why you have the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in the church. It just needs a, a little bit more willpower. And if you blow it and you sin and you don't keep one of the commandments, God will love you so much, He'll forgive you and say, Get back up, son. Get back up, daughter. Keep on trying. So two things. Commandment keepers and testimony of Jesus Christ livers. Look at Revelation 14.12. Here is the patience of the saints. Revelation 14.12. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Yeah. Revelation. End times. Revelation 22.14. Blessed are those who do His commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. So, notice how the Lord keeps separating the commandments from faith. Two separate actions. He's making a point of emphasis that one of the signs in the last days is that God's people are going to be people that honor the commandments of the Bible and by faith believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Meaning that faith in Jesus and keeping the commandments are closely related. The commandments define the behavior God wants and God doesn't want. Just like a teacher, a father, a grandfather trying to raise up a child in the way they should go so when they get older they won't depart from it. Now isn't it amazing that in the last days Daniel prophesied one of the characteristics of the Antichrist. And in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, Daniel, in a vision from God about the end times, said that the Antichrist will speak words against the Most High God. See a lot of that going on right now. And it's all meant to, as it says, wear down the saints of the Most High. 
The devil's trying to put a whooping on the church to wear you down so you'll stop pushing back. You'll start thinking the wrong thoughts. Well, prayer doesn't really work. God doesn't really want to heal nobody. Signs, wonders, and miracles must not be for us today. Uh, What's wrong with LBGTQRST in the church? We're not following some man's doctrine. We're following God's. And just because a lot of people scream louder than me, (laughs) doesn't make it so. Doesn't make it right. If everyone else was jumping off the bridge, would you jump off the bridge too? (laughs) Your mom never said that to you? (laughs) I heard that a lot. And... Daniel 7.29, he will intend to change the times and the law, the Torah, the Bible, and they will be given into his hand as a result. Right? It's the great American stupor. Man, we are like the frog in the kettle. And the church needs to have more voices on TV and more voices in the pulpits and more voices from the pews uh, saying, you know what, Uh, I know people have different points of view. Here's my point of view. God loves everybody, but He still hates sin. Well, who are you to define sin? I'm not anybody to define. I'm just following what God says. Well, how do you know God is real? You can't see Him. How do you know your brain is real? You can't see it. Amen. Hey, this is a special thing that you and I have been viewed by the Lord uh, as people who can be entrusted with a covenant. I am going to entrust you with my very words, the things that I want to see more of and the things I want to see less of. And I'm going to give you the power and authority to establish that in your home, in your city, in your state, in your nation, around the world. And if you'll do that, the world will be a better place. If you don't do that, All that's necessary for evil to triumph is for Christians to sit in their pew and get pewy. But that doesn't describe us. We are strong in the Lord. And we will fight a good fight of faith. And we will live with a revelation that greater is He, greater is His Word, greater is His power, greater is His authority in me than any devil, any power, any principality that's in this world. I don't care if they're in the White House. I don't care if they're in Wall Street. I don't care what school district it is. In the name and by the blood of Jesus, we resist you. We rebuke you. We bind you, we cast you down and take authority over you in Jesus' name. Now go and do likewise.